Please remain standing and turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Kings chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 1, we will read our, uh, we will work through the entire chapter, but in the interest of time, we'll read verses 1 through 4, and then uh, we'll skip to verse 17. Verse 1, Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Akron, whether I shall recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire Beelzebub, the god of Akron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah departed. Verse 17. So Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken. Because he had no son, Jehoram became king in his place. In the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your word, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would come and speak your word, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, in our hearts. and Hearing his voice, that his sheep would know him and follow him and offer our hearts to him promptly and sincerely in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Don't you have a God? That was the question before the king of Israel. And it's the question before the house this morning. Ahab, the worst king ever, has fallen. The dogs have licked his blood according to the word of the Lord. And his son, Ahaziah, begins to reign. You know, most of us at some point in our lives have had a superior of, of some sort, a, a boss, an elected official, or as children, maybe a coach or a teacher. Sorry, apologies to all the teachers in this, in this church. But, but there was someone superior to us that we, when we heard the news they were leaving, we were not sad about it. In fact, the news that they were leaving gave us more hope than we had experienced in years. It can't get any worse. Maybe, surely when the new person comes, things will get better. The next teacher, the next boss, the next president can't be as bad as this one. Surely it will get better. That's how things were at the end of 1 Kings when Ahab died. 
We, we've got a second chance. There, there's a new day. The, the next king's got to be better than Ahab. You know, sometimes the next person who comes along makes you realize that the other one wasn't really that bad after all. The last two verses of 1 Kings record, 1 Kings, last page, that Ahaziah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. There was no reprieve. The apple fell too close to the tree. Might be more appropriate to say the apple didn't really even fall. It just sort of rolled down the trunk. In other words, Ahaziah is Ahab made over. And he seems to have a double helping of his mama too. She was a true believer in Baal. Ahab was just on for the ride. But Ahaziah has the religious fervor of his mother Jezebel. In fact, in this passage, when he has a terrible accident and may die, he sends his messengers to the Philistines to inquire of their god, Baal-zebub. Now, there's a play on words there with the word we know as Lord of the Flies, Beelzebub. But note the first half of this God's name, Beelzebub, Baal. In his desperation, to whom does King Ahaziah go? Baal. And just as he done with with. Ahab, the prophet Elijah, now confronts his son, the injured king, Ahaziah. The Lord gave him a message. Look at the middle of verse 3. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire Beelzebub, the God of Akron? Elijah's a good prophet. He quotes This word that the Lord gave him, he quotes it verbatim twice. First in verse 6, then again in verse 16. It's a great question the Lord gave Elijah to put to Ahaziah. It's a sad question. It's sad that the question had to be raised, but it's a great question. Why are you sending to Philistia for a word from Baal. Is there not a God in Israel? Don't you have a God? Now let's deal with a question. First in this passage, we see no surprise ending. No surprise ending. Now before we look at this scripture... You understand that originally 1st and 2nd Kings were were one book, just one book of Kings. In the old days, they didn't have books with pages. 
just scrolls, and the scroll was made however long it was, and you wrote what would fit on it, and then rolled it up. And the books of Samuel and Kings and Chronicles were so long, they couldn't fit on one scroll, so they divided them. So there's, there's no division between the end of 1 Kings and the beginning of 2 Kings. It's just where they had to start a new scroll. Now, with that in mind, this is just a continuation of what we were studying in 1 Kings. Look at verse 2. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire Beelzebub, the god of Akron, whether I shall recover from this injury. Now, to get to context, just go back, maybe a page, if that much, to the last verse of 1 Kings 22. Last verse of 1 Kings. For he, Ahaziah, served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger according to all that his father had done. I worked as a seminary student in a church that had a cemetery that dated to the 1750s. There were people killed in the Revolutionary War buried in that cemetery. And, and then from there, I went and pastored a church in Lancaster County that had a cemetery that dated to the year, about the year 1800. And over the years, I took a lot of walks through those old cemeteries. And I like to memorize some of the epitaphs on some of the old ones. And one epitaph on one of those old markers that I remember and particularly appreciate says this. He died as he lived, a Christian. And Ahaziah's epitaph should read, He died as he lived, a Baalist. Now, there was a thief on the cross, you remember, who cried out to Jesus with his dying breaths and was promised that he would finish that day in paradise with Jesus. But Bishop Ryle wisely said that there was a thief on the cross who converted so that we could have hope. But there was only one thief on the cross who converted so that we would not have presumption. Yes, there are 11th hour conversions, but most folks die like they lived. Hebrews 11, the great chapter that says, by faith, again and again and again, it talks about people who lived by faith. And by faith did this, and by faith did that, and by faith shut the mouths of lions. And then it says, these all died in faith. You see, if we're going to die in faith, we first got to live by faith. 
Ahaziah served Baal faithfully all his life. We read at the end of 1 Kings. And now we come to the beginning of 2 Kings. He falls through the lattice in his upper chamber. He's on his deathbed. And what does he do? He continues to trust and serve Baal. He did not call out to Jehovah. Indeed, at this point, he could not. There is no surprise ending with Ahaziah. There are some, thank the Lord, there are some. But there are few surprise endings among the human race. Most of us will die as we had lived. Be honest with yourself. Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. You can't have one without the other. To get gain when I die, I got to live for Christ on the way. What are you really all about in this life? What occupies my thoughts and, and my energy? Ask yourself, the, the thing that I'm so wrapped up in, when I come to die, what good will it do me? The sad thing is, if we remain so wrapped up in anything else, we may not be able to think of anything else when our time comes. You know, that old spiritual, give me Jesus. Like most spirituals passed down through the years are different versions of it, but it says in the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. You can have all this world, but give me Jesus. It says when I am alone, give me Jesus. You may have all this world, but give me Jesus. And then, at the end, it says, and when I come to die, give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Give me Jesus. You see the point? We will die as we have lived. You want Jesus when you die. We better want him today. We see no surprise ending. Secondly in this passage, we see no surprise reaction. No surprise reaction. Look at verse 3. 
But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there's no God in Israel that you are going to inquire Beelzebub, the god of Akron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Look at verse 17. So Ahaziah died according to the word of the Lord which Elijah had spoken. How do you expect the true God to react to the king of Israel? For all he knows, on his deathbed, sending a delegation to the heathen to get a word from Baal. If you expect any other reaction than what God gives him, that is a death sentence. You need to ask yourself, what is the source of your theology? Are you getting your ideas about God from the Bible? Scripture says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me. This is the same God who came and revealed himself in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, this is eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. These are exclusive words, intolerant words. We saw it a few weeks ago in 1 Kings when Ahab beat the Assyrians. The pagans in the ancient Near East believed in what we might call regional gods. We have our gods down in the valley. They've got their god up in the hills. That's actually very progressive. That's modern. You have your God. I have mine. Maybe you have no God at all. That's fine. Whatever works for you. The true God will have none of this nonsense. He says to Ahaziah, because you did not seek me, the only true God, but you sought other gods, you will die. Period. It may sound harsh to the modern ear, but to those who actually know the true God, this is no surprise reaction. So we see no surprise ending, no surprise reaction. Thirdly, in this passage, we see no surprise witness. No surprise witness. Look at verse 3 again. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the 
Tishbite. Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, This is just like when God told Elijah to go to Ahab. You remember, Jezebel had killed Naboth and his sons. Ahab had seized the vineyard, but the Lord tells Elijah, go to Ahab, tell him he's going to die. So here, Elijah again does as the Lord commanded him. He confronts the delegation on the way to Akron and he delivers the message from God so they turn and go back to Ahaziah. He asks them why they turned back. Now look at verse 6. So they said to him, A man came up to us to meet us and said to us, Go, return to the king who sent you, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire Baal, Zebub, the god of Akron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Then he said to them, What kind of man was it who came up to meet you and told you these words? Eight. Verse 8, look at it. So they answered him, a hairy man wearing a leather belt around his waist, and he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. He knows who it is, the old enemy. He aggravated my daddy, and now he's coming after me. God sends his witness to the king, and it is no surprise. Ahaziah knows Elijah. He knows who he is. He knows his reputation. He knows what Elijah says is true. He just will not heed him. You know there was another Elijah? Jesus said so. Jesus said John the Baptist was Elijah who is to come. He was another Elijah. He even looked like Elijah is described here. And like Elijah, God sent John the Baptist to bear witness. What happened? You can read in John 5, there's no time to turn it up now, but Jesus said they wouldn't listen to him. The new Elijah. He bore witness to Jesus, but they ignored him. They would not come to Jesus. Why? not for lack of clear information. Jesus said in John 5, 44, that they did not listen to the witness of John the Baptist and did not go to Jesus because they did not seek the glory of the only true God. And that is exactly the same reason why Ahaziah would not listen to Elijah, but instead sent to Ekron to Baal because he did not seek the glory of the only true God. That's why modern, sophisticated people could not care less what the Scripture says. 
And that's why people sit in Bible-believing churches like this week after week after week as the witness comes to bring a message from God and though they're sitting within earshot, they do not have ears to hear, they don't heed, they don't come to Jesus. Why? They are not seeking the glory of the only true God. We look at this passage and see no surprise ending, no surprise reaction, no surprise witness. And fourthly and finally, we see no surprise instruction. No surprise instruction. Look at verse 9. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50 men. So he went up to him, and there he was sitting on the top of a hill, and he spoke to him, Man of God, the king has said, Come down. So Elijah answered and said to the captain of 50, If I am one, I'm a man of God, then let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Then he sent to him another captain of 50 with his 50 men. And he answered and said to him, Man of God, thus has the king said, Come down quickly. So Elijah answered and said to them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 men. And the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. What's going on here? Why does the king send a captain with 50 soldiers? He wants to finish the job his mama had not completed. You remember Jezebel had vowed to kill Elijah, but she never did it. Ahaziah plans to finish him off. You notice in verse 9, the captain calls him a man of God. That's a proper term. It means he's a prophet, a man of God. He delivers the word of God. Thus says the Lord. So this captain calls up the hill where Elijah is sitting. Man of God, the king says, come down. The captain is saying to the prophet, thus says the high king Ahaziah. You see how this theme keeps coming up in Kings again and again and again? Man of God, you who declare the word of God, thus says the Lord. Well, I got a message for you. Thus says the king. It's the word of man versus the word of God. What happens? Fire falls from heaven again. Just like Mount Carmel. This time it consumes the captain and all 50 of his men. So then in verses 11 and 12, Ahaziah sends another captain with 50 soldiers and gets the same result. More fire from heaven. 51 more fatalities. So we're up to 102 burned, dead. So a third time, Ahaziah sends a captain with 50. But this captain seems to have some sense. Look at verse 13. Again, he sent a third captain of 50 with his 50 men, and a third captain of 50 men went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and pleaded with him and said to him, Man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. Look, 
fire has come down from heaven and burned up the first two captains of fifties with their fifty. But let my life now be precious in your sight. And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went with him down to the king. See, this, this third captain, he knew the reality of the judgment, the fire, the wrath of the Lord Jehovah God. And he fell on his knees and begged for mercy. And he got it. It's no surprise that this stroke of mercy, this ray of hope is in this story. It's instructive to you and me, my brothers and sisters. You see, there's a way of escape. There's a way of salvation. This has largely been a negative message. But Ahab was an entirely negative king. There's plenty of judgment, wrath, and fire to go around. But don't you see here, there's mercy. You know, the scripture records that another prophet once delivered a similar message. Here Elijah told the king, you will die. But you remember another famous prophet once told a great city, you will be destroyed. The message was not even repent. It was just 40 days, you will be destroyed. And you know what the king of Nineveh did? The same as this third captain who was saved. He rose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. He issued a decree for man and beast alike to fast, to be covered in sackcloth and call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. And you know what? He did. But Ahaziah did nothing of the sort. He could have humbled himself. He could have begged for mercy. And there would have been mercy, but he would not do it. You know the question before the house. Is there no God in Israel that you have sent to Akron to inquire of Baal? Or as we have stated it, don't you have a God? For Ahaziah, the answer is no. He has to live with the consequences of his commitment to Baal. And he had to die with the consequences of his commitment. It's a real God. He's a jealous God. He hates our idolatry and he punishes it. But to those who fear him, there is mercy with this God. God incarnate said, Come unto me. 
All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You remember when they all, the the 5,000 he had fed, when they all were offended and left Jesus, and then Jesus turned to the 12 and said, Will you also leave? And Peter gave the answer. He gave the answer Ahaziah should have given. Don't you have a God? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go but thee? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now we're about to conclude this service and sing what to me is one of the most beautiful songs ever put together. And this song is what Ahaziah should have said. O God, my Savior, unto thee, without a hope besides, I flee. I hope and pray that you can sing these beautiful words to this beautiful tune. ARP stole the tune from Fanny Crosby and mean them from the heart. Number 88 in the green book. O God, my Savior, now to thee without a hope besides I flee. I mean, don't you have a God? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.